Howdy, howdy, and welcome to my bloody Judy with your final forgets, myself, Zachary Patton Garcia. And Ian Carlos Crawford. And today, our opening kill of the episode is... Hi, Chauncey K. Robinson. Hi, Chauncey. Yes. Hi. Chauncey, why don't you tell the people a little bit about what you do? Well, I'm a film, uh, TV, and culture critic and journalist, um, full-time journalist, and I, I pretty I love horror. That's kind of like my main focus. But usually, when I dig into the blood and guts of horror films and TV shows, I, I like to uh, connect them to uh, things happening in society and things like that. So I, which is one of the reasons why I love horror in particular, because I feel like it's such a great reflection of uh, a warped mirror of society a lot of times. So. Yeah. yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So, I mean, this is a horror podcast, so, you know, the right place, right place. here. <laughs> you, uh, you also have a YouTube channel, Chauncey K. Yeah. Robinson, correct? Yeah. yeah, Chauncey K. Robinson, Twisted CKR is usually uh, what I go on by there. And yeah, I dig into um, a lot of uh, film and TV there, mainly mainly film and TV. I, I, I usually focus on horror, although uh, I occasionally, because... I like movies in general. I expand other stuff too, like fantasy and, and comedy and stuff too. Perfect. Well, today, it's perfect. We got a horror movie for everybody. It's something for everybody to enjoy. We got a, we're going to be covering Dr. Sleep, the 2019 film written and directed by the wonderful Mike Flanagan, uh, modern horror master. I, do we all agree on that? Yes. Yes, okay. <laughs> uh, he, he did Hush, Ouija, Origin of Evil, Oculus, completely underrated, by the way, Haunting of Hill House, and Bly Manor, so he's kind of a big deal, and this is based on the, what is it, 2013 uh, book by Stephen King. So, uh, I got a question for both of y'all. I kind of forget what your answer was, Ian, but first, what did y'all think of The Shining? Because it's hard to mention this without The Shining, the film, the Kubrick film, and second, what did you think of this on its own and as a sequel to The Shining. Um, well, I cannot stand Kubrick's The Shining. <laughs> um, I have a lot of problems with uh, his version or what he called The Shining. Uh, I felt like he gutted basically the essence of what uh, Stephen King actually intended with uh, his book. And I thought that one of the great things I love about Dr. Sleep was that I felt like Flanagan kind of had this happy medium. Like he took, he didn't throw out, you know, the baby with the bathwater with uh, The Shining. He took those elements because you have to, because a lot of people mostly know The Shining through Kubrick, but he also reinstated a lot of the things that were lost in Kubrick's interpretation, I thought, so. Okay. And what about Dr. Sleep? Uh, I love Dr. Sleep. Okay. I just, I mean, oh my gosh. I thought, like I said, I thought it was like the happy medium between yeah. what we should have gotten in The Shining and then telling this new story. So okay. I really enjoy it. It's one of my favorites of uh, of a Stephen King. I thought it, I thought it got, I thought it was kind of underrated, you know, because everyone was making such a big deal about it when it came out. And then I think a lot of people, for lack of a better term, they slept on Dr. Sleep. <laughs> they weren't yes. going to it, which was like, why not? You know, yeah. way better movie. <laughs> what about you, Ian? What'd you think? Um, I disagree with nearly everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh this God. is how we're going. We're starting it. Let's trap. go. It's a trap. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love, love, love the two birds shining. I like the book as well. Um, and they are very different. I mean, it's kind of like the bare bones are there, but that's kind of like 
Kubrick like filled in his. I understand why Stephen King also doesn't like it. I mean, his version wasn't good though. The TV movie was not good. Um, but I think um, I like both of them separately. Like I like the movie and I like the book. I think both of them have big flaws. Like I'm glad we don't have the fucking living shrubbery coming to life. Yeah, that That's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it makes me mad that in the movie, Dick comes in and just dies. And in the book, he does get beat up, but he's like, he makes it. He's like cut up and, you know, mostly almost dead. I feel like in the book, they describe his injuries as like, how is this man mm. not dead? Um, but he makes it. And I kind of like, and I do, but I do think that this movie is a very good mixture of the two. Like it's a sequel to both, um, which I actually, I remember, so I I don't like this book. I think the Dr. Sleep is a very boring book. Um, and I remember like just from the trailers, cause you saw those scenes of like the ghosts that were like reoccurring. And I remember being like, how the fuck are they gonna do this? Because that's not it. Like there is no hotel in the book. The hotel's blown up. Um, and I think that the thing I do like about this movie is that they do a very good job of, I mean, Mike Flanagan and clearly whoever else helped like write the script, they all were like clearly big fans of The Shining, maybe Stephen King in general, but I thought they did a very good job. I don't think there could be a better job blending, making it a sequel to both at the same time. Like, I think that they achieved that 100%. I think that the movie has a lot of the failings of the book. Um, Stephen King often is like jerking himself off on the page where it's like, all right, did we need 50 pages <laughs> of like nothing? Um, and I think the the movie could have used a tighter edit, even though it's not that long. I think it feels very long. Um, I saw this in theater. I was like super excited to see it. I remember leaving and being like, eh. um, I liked it better on this rewatch, I will say, than I did when I saw it in the theater. Okay, that's fair. You know, it is really... A it, it, like you said, it's perfect at like offering something to Stephen King fans and to the Kubrick fans of The Shining. You know, it is that that kind of bridge between. Uh, I you know I have to say when I left the theater um, after watching this, I was blown away. I thought it was like so good. Um, and obviously, you're not going to see all the flaws and imperfections on your first watch through. I mean, maybe you, Ian. I don't know. <laughs> you might, but um, no, I, I really really enjoyed it and. Uh, Mike Flanagan, like, I, I didn't even realize that he'd done, done it. Um, I didn't really look anything up going into it. I just I mean, knew He wasn't that, really, like, a name name yet. That's, yeah, think. exactly. Which is weird because he's been around so long, right? Like, he's done so much. Um, I was super excited to see Wendy Torrance because I'd heard, you know, of the actress that they were using for her and everything. And, uh, you know... It, it met all of my expectations. The only thing I I couldn't, and I think I think about this for a lot of, you know, book adaptations, is that I wonder if it would have been done better as, like, maybe six or eight episodes of something um, rather than a movie. But I don't know. I don't know. Because, I mean, it worked so perfectly as a movie also. And, I mean, it really was underrated. I didn't see all the hype over it. Maybe people were a little bit Stephen King'd out at that point, right? Because we'd had Dark Tower, both It movies. And Dark Tower didn't do all that well, did it? No. No. Um, yeah, I didn't, I, so. I didn't see it, but I heard I heard it wasn't that great. But I, yeah. <laughs> see, it's not easy. it's not meant for a movie. That that's one of his that should definitely be a series. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because that's like very thick. Yeah. it's like a bunch of books, and they're all very thick. Yeah, yeah. I did like the book. I, I did like the book, but and I thought the movie was um, it was a faithful enough adaptation of that um, 
couple things, you know, in the uh, in the translation that I didn't really like, but, you know, we'll get into that. So, uh, yeah, I guess we'll go ahead and get started. Really, we've got three different stories being told here. We've got um, Danny Torrance's story, we've got the story of the True Knots, and Abra's story. Um, I mean, you go through three different time periods, right? So 2011, or no, 1980, 2011... 2019. So we start out the whole movie with the True Knot. We meet the True Knot, this band of like psychic super being villains led by Rose the Hat. Um, Rebecca Ferguson, everybody, like what a performance here. Uh, immediately we see why they're the baddies. You know, anybody that's going to go after a little kid, especially this little girl from Haunting of Hill House, you know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> How was that her? It was, yeah. yeah. Mike Flanagan, he's going to reuse yeah. them actors. <laughs> he has so many of the same ones. And even the one that plays Wendy, I mean, they're, yeah. It's kind of like, who's that from this one all throughout? <laughs> it's, it's really fun to watch. Um, and so they, the, the Rose lures this little girl. She's on like a vacation with her family, like, you know, in this RV. And Rose lures her into like the woods. And um, we, we see the true not do what they do. But we cut off right before we see what they do, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, she's got, we find out a little bit later, she had the shining. And this is what the group kind of does as they go in Um they sense somebody who has the shining. They go in and they have to like basically suck their life form from them. It's the, it's called the steam. They suck their steam up. And uh, that's how this group sort of extends their own life. Um, their motto, eat well, stay young, live long. Remember that one. Um, I don't know. What do we think about the true knot? Well, I, I love that. I think Rose is like one of my favorite villains. Like, and in in, I mean, in horror, not totally in like all of horror, but to come around in a, in a wow, you yeah. know, in terms of like a, a, a horror personality villain that has a personality, you know, that isn't just an entity like the nun or a Annabelle, where it's kind of like they just jump out or something. It was like, here's this character that has motivations and she's cold blooded and i'm just like and just the way she does it where it's like hi there and i'm just like she's so yes. creepy but also so cool like yeah. you know it's just how is it both i don't know but i'm i'm here for it you know so um i just and it was such a because you just knew what was going to happen to the little girl in that scene yeah. and i think oh, she's so adorable and i'm just like oh my <laughs> gosh like you know because usually the rule is like you know, you don't really kill the kids or you don't kill kids as much in horror. Although in recent horror, I think they've kind of, you know, been like, that's not a that rule's gone. Anymore. The rule's gone. But yeah. back in the day, it was like, you know, you don't really kill the kid. You know, the kid's not going to die, at least not brutally. And this film, I mean, and just, yeah, it was yeah, sad. It's two total, right? <laughs> two kids died in this one. Yeah, brutally, too. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Hey, we're having a discussion. Go ahead. Go ahead. I I think they are the most boring fucking oh villains. Oh my gosh. <sighs> I, think, I think I also don't think this movie was underrated. I feel like all I saw was people being like, "Oh my god, this movie's so underrated." Like talking about this movie and I was like, "It's rated just fine." Like uh, it is rated. It is rated. And like I just feel like they feel like villains that could work in like Buffy the Vampire Slayer as like adversaries not as like scary villains because they're just like fucking hippies who eat children and like okay i don't know they like i do think rebecca ferguson is giving a very good performance all the acting i i don't think there's a role that's like poorly acted even like i mean mike flanagan is as we've seen in haunting of hill house and stuff he gets really good kids like kid actors mm -hmm. um 
I think all of the acting in this film is like really well done. I just, I, that was my issue with the book, um, which I'll have, you know, I brought in case we needed to look something up. Let's do it. Um, Flip through them pages. <laughs> I, I, I just, the villains don't ever land for me other than like, they just feel like, I don't know, like supernatural serial killers, I guess. And it just, it, they never, they never feel scary in the book. She felt a little scarier. I think because, and this might've been, you know how like sometimes you picture what the person looks like, even though mm -hmm. that's maybe not. Like I always picture her looking a little like her having like cracks, like you seeing the like, oh, she's actually been around for a really long time. This is a body that's been, you know, around for a hundred years where like maybe you see like she looks pretty upfront, but like she turns her side and you're like, like you can just like see the whatever. And I think that's what I always pictured her looking as not like, a gorgeous hippie, which is what she looks like in this. Um, and I hate her stupid fucking hat. Um, Shut up. Oh my goodness. Wow. Oh, wow. Ian. This ain't Phantom <laughs> of the Opera. Hat, <laughs> <laughs> just just <laughs> Mike Flanagan, he did not like your movie. Please do not make anything else. Um, Please still come on my podcast. <laughs> right. Please still come on the podcast. He's got well, Slayer Fest 98, everybody. Um, Rose the Hat. Come on, Ian. Rose the Hat is like one of these like modern horror villains that is going to be remembered. She will. I feel like this is a movie that's going to pick up a few years down the line. It's mm -hmm. like people are going to yeah, talk about this a lot flavor. more than they did. Um, well, I don't I know really what corners like... of Twitter you guys exist in because I feel like all I saw was people <laughs> saying, oh, no one's talking about like one of those dumb things where people are like, oh, why isn't people, why aren't people talking about this? And it's like, they fucking are. What are you talking about? Like all I saw was people saying like, no one's talking about this movie. It's so fantastic. It's so underrated. And it's like, but you're all talking about it. I don't know. That's I like didn't all see I enough saw. Of that. I didn't see enough of that. But what I did like about the True Knot, so there's like four True Knot members that are really we focus on here right it's crow daddy uh rose the hat grandpa flick and um snake bot andy yes and so the other ones kind of fade out a little bit but we get the vibe of what this like band of psychics is going for you know they may be cold-blooded to everybody else and they are no doubt villains they are awful people but they they look out for each other they are right. you know they're, they they love each other and they are only looking out for those in their own immediate circle and i i like that about them because it gives them um it gives them something other than oh we're just bad to the bone you know that's just us we're just going to be bad um cuz they have a goal they're kind of working for they just you know it's selfish but that's that's what they're doing here um I don't know. They just like they work so well. Maybe I need to go back and read it because I didn't think she was all that scary in the book. And here, I just like I see what the big deal is. You know, um, I guess you're looking for like Phantom of the Opera. You know, the half of the face kind of like missing. But like I thought they styled her pretty freaking great. <laughs> well, she unhinges her jaw and stuff in the book, right? It's like this yeah, whole does, kind of she? like uh, you know, and I honestly, had I saw that, I think I would have disliked her a bit more because mm -hmm. I just, I think I had gotten, um, in terms of like what you were saying before, Zach, about getting that Stephen King, um, fatigue, I was so tired of the new Pennywise and how cartoonish I felt like he was. So it was for me seeing a character that wasn't, in my opinion, over the top and just kind of like, there's something under the surface that's so sinister and you don't have to see it thrown right at you immediately, but you know it's there. That just, that chilled me a bit more than the overt like monster that you normally see, so. 
I think so. You know, I think the that calm, just she's just calm all the time. And there are only a few moments where she kind of moves away from that and kind of loses it for a moment. Um, and it's just that calm kind of like she just looks. Rebecca Ferguson is so good with just a look, you know. So, but next we have Danny Torrance. Um, so we're, we're in 1980 still and we've got... Uh, I'm going to forget the actors' names, but yeah, we've got we've got um, recreation of Danny Torrance and Wendy Torrance. Um, we see these flashback scenes of, of The Shining, um, and then we see them. They are now living outside, I mean, right after the events of the Overlook Hotel, in, and they're in Florida. Um, Danny is still, obviously, really traumatized by everything that happened in, 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 at the Overlook Hotel, and Wendy is too, and I wish we would have got a little bit more of, like, Wendy's trauma. I, in the book, I liked... I wish I would have got more of Wendy in the book, but there was more Wendy in the book than there was here. And I feel like they could have utilized this actress a little bit more because she was so good at playing mm. Wendy Torrance. I don't remember her being more in the book. I remember I remember wanting more of her in the book as well. Maybe she's just, and she's not in the book very much, but maybe she's just talked about more in the book because then we see like, you know, when, when she died, um, like he just saw like flies around her face all, you know, all the time. We didn't see that here. Answer, um, we yeah. didn't see much more of like the two or three scenes that she was here. Um, but, um, so Danny, you know, he's still seeing these ghosts of these, the ghosts of the Overlook Hotel have now like fixated on, on his, his Sean. Um, and so they keep popping back up and he's visited by Dick Holleran, who, um, it's the ghost of Dick Holleran, right? In the book, it's just Dick Holleran. She calls him. Um, but here it's the ghost of Dick Holleran and he basically teaches Danny how to, you know, lock these, these ghosts away, these demons away, which is, you know, the bury method. You got trauma, you bury it, you lock it away. You don't really unpack it yet. So Danny hasn't really unpacked his trauma here. I, I mean, I thought it was, it was a poignant scene, you know, just to kind of see, and it, it was kind of reflective of, maybe what he had been, what he continues to deal with, right? As we see it, you know, just this idea of, like you said, the Barry, you know, kind of thing of not dealing necessarily with the trauma, but kind of just locking it away. And it can be debated whether or not that's a good or bad thing. But in terms of, you know, ghosts haunting you right. and stuff, what else can you do? I mean, I'm going to have to bury this yeah. trauma because they're going <laughs> to come at me. But of course, it's symbolic, too, because of yeah. just what he's dealt with. And in terms of Wendy, I, you know, in that was one of my issues with The the Shining. Right? I felt like they totally did. And I and I this is why I say it was a happy medium because you got this sense of her being a strong mother loving her child but also maybe not knowing how to connect with him because of how do you deal with right you know what you dealt with at the overlook and the fact that you lost your husband to insanity for all you know and, and something else more sinister so it would have been cool to get a bit more of that but at the same time it's not this wasn't her story i felt like in this particular case what should have been more of her story should have been the shining but kubrick was sexist. So he just basically <laughs> relegated her to a screaming victim most of the time. So that the shining should have been her moment to tell for for Wendy's story. So unfortunately we didn't get that uh then, but I felt like Flanagan kind of did a kind of a subtle kind of strength that she had in continuing to go on with her son even afterwards. So Yeah, no, I I do You agree I mean, with that? I, would also, I, but I mean, I would also amend that to be Stephen King isn't good at writing women either. I don't think Stephen King. Well, yeah. She was stronger. He he did her a little bit stronger in uh, The Shining. She just, I felt like in the book, she just has more time on the page, but I don't mm. know that she's 
but I mean, yeah, and and I don't think Wendy gets a lot of justice, and I think he does a good job of, like you said, she like is able to move on because I mean, it, some people wouldn't have been able to move on from that, understandably, right? Like, oh, a bunch of fucking ghosts, you know, haunted your whole family, <laughs> and then your husband tried to kill you. Yeah, maybe you don't move on from that, but I do. Yeah, yeah I think in this, he does a good job of like, and I felt that actress was really good. Mm-hmm. And again, I think this goes back to this being a really good sequel to both. Or right, she's still channeling um, Shelley Duvall, but it's not. She's not like doing Shelley Duvall drag. She's yeah. like doing her own thing. And I, but like still like she's costumed like her and stuff like that. That's that's the thing I think this movie did well with showing us characters we had already seen in The Shining, being like, look, this is them. They're still trying to dress the same, but we're not trying to just do straight up impersonations of yeah. them. Yeah, um, I, I don't know, Alex Esso though. Like as as Wendy, I love finding characters after uh, you know after trauma. W- w- you know, when in the slasher film, what happens to the characters after? Um, in the ghost story, what happens to the character after? And and I know you are are on the same page with that. Um, yeah. And I just loved like I could. It would have been a nothing movie. It would have been like a like an Ari Aster film or something. But like it would have. I would have loved to just see. A whole movie of just Wendy and Danny in Florida for like, I don't know, a year or something like that. And just watching them kind of go through this. Because really, exactly like y'all said, how do you get over something like this? Do you go, what do you say to a therapist? I mean, even back then, like therapy wasn't that big of a thing. But even if you got to a therapist, what do you say to a therapist about your experience at the Overlook Hotel? Right. (laughs) Um, And I just thought, I I loved this little flashback scene. I understood that like, it's already, it's a pretty long movie. So they had to just kind of go along, you know, move along. But I I thought the actors they cast to, you know, replay these people were pretty good. This part is my favorite part of the book, which annoyingly is the opening of the book. But I... I think I really like, because I am drawn to like the after the trauma, I would have liked more of like, Wendy's just trying to have like, give her son a normal life. She's trying to like function, um, you know, cause in the book, I actually reread the beginning. So I was like, I, I remember it being different. I love that. Like it open that there's no, we don't get Rose right away. We just get Danny going to the bathroom. That's like, and I thought that scene was so that's shit. I love because that is like after trauma, he still has like the PTSD in the form of this woman in the fucking bathroom. And I think both the movie and the book both did those scenes so well. But in the book, we get a little bit more of, we have Wendy going into the bathroom to like, she's like, Ooh, did I see something? And like, she looks and then there's nothing. And like, but she, she sees like the smear of the, the lady's like skin and so she goes to pee in the sink too, because she's like, I don't want to pee in here. Understand. I would do to that too. Um, and I liked that stuff. I really liked. And I wish the, the book and the movie both don't have that much of that. Um, but like, I think that the way it's written in the book and the way it's done in the movie are like very scary. Like when Danny first goes in, you're like, is there something behind that curtain? Mm, and like, I mean, maybe it's just me because I'm a fucking paranoid baby. But like, there's been times when I go in the shower and I'm or to pee at like 2 a.m. and I'm like, mm, let me open these shower curtains just in case. <laughs> like, so I think like shit like that is really well done. And Mike Flanagan is, of course, very good at doing like scenes and like scenes like that too that are like a little bit of a slow burn to a spooky holy shit scene. Very well. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Yeah. Um, and I mean, and she's then, the the scariest ghost too, in my opinion. She was all she she is. Was just the most creepiest one out of everyone there, in terms of the overlook. So 
And you think yeah. of a little boy too, <laughs> a little boy, like his first, you know, maybe experiencing somebody like nude. It's like this old crazy looking woman, like. Wants to like choke him to death. It's gonna, <laughs> <is> gonna inflict <laughs> like a little bit of trauma, off. just a little bit. But um, then we kind of fast forward to 2011 now, you know, Danny, like we said, you know, what else do you do but kind of box it away like Dick Holler and said. And so he did that. He put the bandaid on the problem of the ghost, but he's still carrying around trauma because it, it manifests itself in addiction right um and i think stephen king he got he's got a lot of addiction storylines in his, his work um and danny you know is an alcoholic he's using drugs um we, we, when we first see him we in this he's uh he's with is it the scene with the woman and the baby i think so right he like wakes up in the woman's house and um She's yeah. like thrown up. I couldn't tell. Like, and I was trying to watch it. I couldn't tell if he knew that she was dead at that moment. She do, he does, right? Or he thinks she just like passed out and like threw up on herself. Oh, when he gets up to try to take the money from her and stuff. Um, I don't think he thinks she's dead at that moment. Okay. I don't okay. think he, he gets that sense. Yeah. And he sees the baby. He sees she's got a baby and Dick Hollering comes and he's trying to be the voice of reason. So we got Dick Hollering three times in this movie. Um, and, uh, I mean, Danny's just, he's just a broken person. And so he's not making the best decisions and he leaves the screaming baby and the woman and just not his problem. So he like gets up, he done, you know, moves to New Hampshire, meets Billy and commits to sobriety at some point. Um, we also in 2011 have, uh, have Abra. We're introduced to Abra in 2011. Um, this is a, another girl who is shining and she is got the, she's got these really powerful telepathic abilities so we've got abra and she's like at her birthday party and uh, her parents you know she, she's showing her ability she's got like floating silverware and all that and, and the parents very concerned and this is actually the first time that she links with danny and catches the attention of rose because rose the hat is also you know with her band of sidekicks and they they've pulled in uh, another girl a 15 year old girl uh, rattlesnake andy who lures men um uh, lures pedophiles into into uh situations and she she like okay so she's in the movie theater right and um this guy comes to meet uh what he thought was a, a young girl and uh she her telepathic abilities that she can she can like control people with her with her mind i guess um and so she you know carves a snake bite into his cheek um tells him that every time he looks in the mirror he's going to say i like little girls and rose the hat and and uh and Crow Daddy see this, and so they want to pull her in, and so they pulled her into their band of uh, sidekicks. I enjoyed that that aspect of getting. I mean, it's kind of it kind of plays into that some characters being somewhat gray, right? Whereas like she has a kind of a noble thing that she's doing, although we see later on that it just, you know, she right. kind of gets corrupted. But when it first starts, you know, her whole thing is using this, she gets a little money, but she's also kind of doing her due diligence in marking um, kind of in the form of, uh, you know, uh, that new movie, that Oscar movie that everyone's talking promising about young promising young woman where it's like marking the guy and things like that so mm. um i thought that was um i thought that was important to have there um especially for that character especially when you see the kind of the trajectory of where she ends up eventually uh and you know rose and 
her guy like, you know, trying to size that situation up. So yeah, I, I thought, I mean, yeah, it's a lot of exposition, right? We have to kind of get to know all these characters to kind of get the significance when they come. I thought the young Abra was adorable. She was, right? <laughs> she was so adorable. And I was like, yes, oh my gosh. I mean, for me, I just love seeing uh, young black girls with powers on the show. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yes, give us all the supernatural <laughs> powers. Um, so I love that aspect. And I just, you know, this idea of her powers and having it so young and and that where that power uh, was coming from and be so powerful from the very beginning, from such a young age, she's already kind of formidable. And I thought that was um, a great thing to see, but also see the fear in her parents' eyes, right? Kind of like what mm -hmm. is happening here necessarily. And um, so, and I know when and when Danny was young, he was kind of a considered not considered a big deal, but he his shining was pretty like significant in the mm -hmm. you know it was kind of like a significant thing. He was kind of very powerful, even more than I think Dick at the time. So it's kind of like you're seeing this next generation, and mm -hmm. in in um, it's interesting because in looking at the differences of you know certain plot lines from you know as. Ian would probably know like that don't make it into the book. It's still don't make it into the film because it's for whatever, you know, for whatever reasons. Um, it's interesting to see that connection of Abra and Danny's storylines because in the book, she's actually like blood to him. But in this one, you know, they kind of don't do that aspect of it, but she's still very much connected to him. <laughs> yeah. So I guess like my issue is I really like that stuff, but I'm, for me, it's like, oh, are they training to be X-Men? Are they like, I just, I'm not sure like where that relates to like, like the, the Shining, this didn't quite feel like horror to me. It felt more like supernatural. Like, like, like I said, I felt like it could have fit in Buffy, which I guess like is technically considered horror, but like it's different than like what The Shining would be for me, I guess is like, my big issue, but I do like that stuff. And, you know, Ewan McGregor is a good actor. The actress who plays Abra is a good actor. Um, yeah, I don't know. I do like the stuff with the kids. Um, Cause I, I, I mean, I agree. It's like very nice to see like this small, cute black girl who has like fucking awesome superpowers. Yeah. And she's yeah. just so joyful about it too. About, you know, she's not depressed about the fact yeah. that she has this power. Just like, like, yeah, this I can is do. great. <laughs> yeah. And that is yeah, like, even, like, oh, I love it. Joy. <laughs> <laughs> even like later on when she's at school like she's still not like you know depressed about her powers and stuff like that she's kind of just like realized that this is this is me i guess and like you know when she's reading other people's minds later and the girl says that freak is staring at me like she doesn't you know go to the bathroom and have a little sob she's just like oh, let me get back to my research real quick um like she's she's she seems well adjusted right mm -hmm. like and i i do enjoy that i i enjoy that kind of aspect with it and then she um uh, I don't, I'm glad she's not related to him in this one because I didn't really like her being, I feel like that was kind of a, an out of nowhere something um, that she was related to him in the book, but uh, she still calls him Uncle Dan. I mean, she like links with him telepathically and, you know, they keep that up for the next, what, like eight years? Um, mm -hmm. And so, yeah, present day, Abra and Danny are, they've been communicating, you know, for years now telepathically. And, uh, we've got the new actress, Kylie Coran. Hope I'm saying her last name, right? Um, Danny's been sober for like eight years. So that's great. Um, you know, he committed to sobriety and he stuck with it. And he's now like his job now is he's kind of taken on his, um, 
shining and used it for good. So he's kind of fallen into the role of this grim reaper in, in, in essence. Um, but he's like helping those, um, on the brink of death to just cross over peacefully, you know? Um, and I really love this. And we see it like three times in this movie as people really afraid of death. Death is something that I love explored and like what people are thinking of death and like the afterlife. And like, you know, we see these people, even grandpa flick says later that he's scared to die, you know, um, because we don't know what's, what's after that. And so him coming into this role and using his shining to just like tell people, Hey, you're good. You're going to be good. Um, and they, they believe him, you know, he's got that calming and trusting nature about him. Yeah. It's once again, him using its power. Like, I mean, I get the idea of it, it seems like supernatural kind of X-Men type thing, but I, <laughs> you know, I just felt like, you know, it's, it was cool because I mean, horror to me, it does explore things that aren't always like jumping out at us, but sometimes those dark thoughts that kind of can fester. And I think with this case, you have this idea where you have these characters who, you know, come into their lives and things who are afraid of death, right? Which is such a subtle thing to be afraid of in a horror movie of all things, where it's like people are dying left and right and slashers and stuff. You just kind of move on. Oh my God, Susie, no. Especially if you're a ghoul that's (laughs) Yeah, and it's like you're moving on. But then you get to the idea of why these people are like these cosmic type vampires, what they're trying to scave off after years and, and things like that. And it's like, I mean, it's just something that we all kind of in our own way, your your imagination can play with you where you wonder like, is the things Danny showing them truthful or is he just like, you know, making it easy for them as mm. they pass on? Does he truly believe there's something beyond? I mean, clearly there has to be in a way because Dick is able to keep, uh, you know, visiting him and thinks he must be coming from somewhere. Yeah. He's not just, right. you know, in the either. So there's, there's some t- in some instances of that, I actually did find comfort because I'm like, well, that's nice that the movie's kind of taking this stance that there's <laughs> yeah. somewhere beyond. I'm not going to call it a wholesome flick, but it's like, you know, <laughs> it's taking this stance of, yes, there is a beyond in something, but there's still things the fear of the death itself, you know, that yeah. uncertainty. Um, and I think that does play into the physical uncertainty that happens in horror, which is like, what's that in the darkness that I can't see? And it's like, here's death, which is like, I can't see it. I don't know what's here. And I so I thought like them playing on that in various ways, and it happens throughout the movie, but them kind of playing on that. And then you have this guy who's down on his luck. He has so much trauma, yet he has this time to kind of come out of himself to help these other people. And he kind of found in the most subtle way, you know, as this orderly, as this nurse uh, to help people in such a profound way. And I think that's the key when it comes to this for me is that it's so, it's never overt the things that happen here. And I can see how someone can feel like, is anything happening, you know? But it's like, there's actually, and I hate to be that, cause I'm usually not that person. Like if you give me an Ari Aster movie, I hate him. I don't, not him, but I hate his film. I don't know him, I can't hate him. But I can't stand this man's movies. And- We will agree about Midsummer then. <laughs> yeah, and I just, I cannot stand this. Cause I'm always being told there's so much, there's not just this. I'm like, no, it's as deep as a puddle my friend, like this, his movies is deep <laughs> as a puddle. But with Dr. Sleep, I'm like, no, no, no. I'm, I become that person like, no, no, no. There's so much going on. You just gotta, you just gotta roll with it. There's so much happening. Like that's how I am about Dr. Sleep. So I kind of switch sides about it. And Great, so, so that, when we eventually talk about Midsummer, we'll have you on <laughs> and then someone to team with Zach because Zach does. Uh, okay. I mean, that's not true, Ian. 
<laughs> we have said this like three times. You I like it. <laughs> appreciate Midsummer. Um, I do not. I would not watch it again. I it's mm. not. It isn't. I. It is something that if you watch it the first time, you're either gonna love it or you know hate it, and you just don't need to see it again. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I mean, and that's the that's the kind of I'm just going based off of what I heard. I've heard less. Um, but that's just kind of the thing about like many different perspectives coming into horror, right? Is like, where do you see a puddle and where do you see, you know... Uh, an ocean. Like an, a, an ocean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, I don't know, Ian, if you were if you were speaking about like where you kind of see the nothing here. I mean, I, I, mean, I was saying, uh, Chauncey, uh, yeah. I still do think this is well-made. I'm not trying to say it's not well-made. I think Mike Flanagan, I actually would love to revisit... I haven't seen Hush or even like the Ouija movie he did was like a sequel. Um, and that first one just looked like a, like, you know, okay, like teens are going out, they're doing a spooky thing and then they get murdered. Right. That's what that movie looked like. It was real stupid. Um, but like, I would be interested in seeing that sequel since he did it. Right. Cause I, I mean, I would imagine even if it's something as basic as like, Ooh, teens played a spooky game and now they're being murdered. He would bring like a next level at least to it. Or like this, the set pieces would look awesome. Um, so I would be interested in seeing, his early stuff. I haven't seen Hush either. That was always a movie I meant to revisit. Hush is really great. I, I, remember... I really do enjoy it. I really do. I just saw it recently myself just oh, some really? months ago because people kept telling me this is one of the scariest movies. And I'm like, usually that's not usually the case for me when people tell me that. But I did think this was really good. I did think Hush was really good. Yeah, because I remember when it came out, I want to say like, was that like a, no, it wasn't Netflix because they didn't do that it is on netflix but i think i think it came out in theaters though but i remember like when i think it might have been pushed to netflix and that's when Mm -hmm. a bunch of friends saw it and they were like oh my god you have to see this and i was like cool i'm definitely gonna watch that and then just didn't like there wasn't a reason why like i wanted to um but i'd be curious as like to how looking at his like recent work as opposed to like his early work like the the difference you know um just because yeah. he, he always seems like on track. Yeah, and he has a certain style. I think, and this this goes back to Dr. Sleep, that I think he does that, which, which is why I, even in these scenes that we were just talking about, where there's such, he's so good at playing on the human condition in a way, and not to sound all jargony, but like the, you know, the idea of what it means to be a human, to have emotions, to have trauma, to have, uh, issues between interpersonal issues that can overflow into something bigger and he does it in such a mature way and I feel like you know some I think some filmmakers they want to question like you know kind of explore the idea of human existence and what it means but I don't think they have formulated their own ideas enough and you can tell with Flanagan that he does have I feel like even in Dr. Sleep he has He's made his decision on what he yeah. thinks about life. Yeah. You can see that through the, the choices his characters make, the things that happen. You can tell that as opposed to, say, Ari Aster, which is one of my main issues <laughs> with him, is that he hasn't. He has not decided what he truly believes. And you can tell that when it fluctuates within the themes of his movies, in my opinion, particularly in Midsummer. But it's like, and so he, he, he leans more on traumas of like mental health and things like that to kind of, this is gritty, this is a thing. But then you have Mike Flanagan with something like alcoholism, which was a big thing in The Shining with Dr. Uh, and Stephen King's The Shining was the alcoholism and the issue of how, because it was personal to Stephen King, right? right? Because he had dealt with alcoholism and all the coke he did in the 80s and things like that. And like, you know, trying to deal with that with uh, 
you know, his and how that affected his family. And I think Flanagan brought that back in with this. Like when you see um, Danny's speech after he's been sober for so long, that's such a touching speech, but it's also powerful because you know what happened to his dad. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there's something that's kind of haunting in the sense of like human emotions yeah. that are haunting i guess but i know when my uh my boyfriend he actually refuses to watch any more mike flanagan stuff with me <laughs> he's tired of it because uh. he cries at the end of every yeah. one because mike flanagan Boys. will make you cry blind like, manner yes. i was a wreck and i he just wanted too. a nice like haunted house spooky movie show <laughs> and that's exactly he was he cried because he's a you know my my boyfriend he, he has feelings and you know so he was like tearing up yeah. like though he was he was just beside himself he's like yeah. i can't watch flanagan no more i'm not doing it <laughs> i was just like i'm so Sorry. I think you touched on something like really. <laughs> that is very true. Um, I think you touched on something really good though. It does like, and I love Ari Aster. I, I think he's he's very very good. Hereditary is one of my top five favorite horror movies. Um, mm. But I think you hit on something very very good in that like the diff and we really shouldn't even be comparing them. But like Mike Flanagan does like when you watch a Mike Flanagan project, you do get the sense that like he's telling you hey this is exactly what i believe what you see is mm -hmm. what you get you this is like there's not too much like deeper you know you don't have to go digging too far um whereas like ari aster he's like he seems like he's a director that if somebody comes up with a theory there he's like well you just have to figure it out or something Could like that. that i don't know uh, I, I, i've read his <laughs> interviews and i, I just roll my eyes <laughs> he's like maybe uh, that does frustrate <laughs> me frustrates me to hell i'm still a big ari Aster fan but yes that's I some david lynch bullshit where it's like no but you wrote it you know what you're doing you know what you did <laughs> just tell us tell us um but yeah okay so in 2019 to get back on track the true not have been you know they've been having a rough go of it um they're not finding as many psychic targets at, out there as there used to be um steam is running low they're really you know really struggling to just get somebody on that radar um and uh they this is where we get little jacob Tremblay, right yeah um they they find one they find one um little jacob Tremblay is uh, like a a hometown star, little baseball player. And this, I have to say, this scene was like truly horrifying. We're going to do a whole segment about this scene because this was, uh, the opening was bad. Like, you know, you don't want to see, you know, it's like implied what's going to happen to the little girl, but we see it here. And you don't even see all that much, but like Jacob's acting combined with like the implied visuals and all of that, it's just brutal. And it was really hard. For, I had to fast forward it the second time because I just, I couldn't watch it again. I also fast forwarded through that part yeah it's it's a lot uh yeah. it's definitely a lot uh you almost don't think that they're going to show it but i think i got the choice of it um yeah. because yeah. you know like what we were saying earlier about how if you didn't know like since he wasn't doing the whole unhinged jaw and huge teeth that are in the the book or whatever how else do you show how evil these people are how else do you let people know these are dangerous people. Yeah. And it's not just when they suck up steam out of a cup or whatever. Right. <laughs> so you have to show just how low it gets. So I, I, I think the scene was necessary. I'm just glad it wasn't like a repeated kind of thing 
where it yeah. kind of happened to like I didn't want to see three or four kids meet that in. Right. And I really yeah. liked that kid actor too. So I was just like, no, I don't want to see this happen to him. It's like no. so precious. Yeah, he went through he, everything he, in room just to end up here. It's it's just yeah. like, yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> you know? And it's like, okay. But no, yeah. I understood it. I yeah. just but it is a lot. I I I think the second time I watched, or the third time, because I've seen it multiple times, but the third time, I kind of, I look away. I don't fast forward, but I do look away. Yeah. It was, it was definitely necessary because it's just, how else do you paint picture of a of baddies, you know, instead of being like so cool, like supervillains, like, and to real evil people, like evil to their core. This is Rose the Hat. She only cares about those in her circle. And... This, this kid is not like, he even says, um, you know, are you going to hurt me? And she says, yes. And it's just like, your blood runs cold, you know, chills, everything. And they really drag this scene out, right? And because then we go into Abra feels all of this. Um, she connects and she sees everything and she feels it all. And she's just like, it, it tears her up. And the, the book, I mean, I you might remember Chauncey better than I do. I remember it being pretty brutal in the book as well. Mm-hmm. I hear um, like from my understanding it was it was more brutal in the the film itself and it's longer in the director's cut actually. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. It drags out a little longer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah no, I don't I, know why. Just that that might have been what I just saw then. <laughs> that might have been the version I just saw. Um because it did seem to drag out a lot more than I remembered it in the theater. So that could have been what I watched, but like, you know, um, it really does like mess her up a little bit that night. But then like the next day, you know, she's, we're setting up for the Abra detective show here. She's, she's mm. all on it. She don't, she didn't need uncle Danny. She didn't need anybody else to figure out like where this kid is, who this kid is, you know, all of that. Um, and she, she just she needs goes, adults to believe her. She just yeah. needs an adult to drive the car because she don't got a license <laughs> yet. You know, this is, <laughs> um, and she, she doesn't have permission to go. So, um, she contacts uncle Dan and he doesn't really want anything to do with it. Um, he, she tells him that like, I, Hey, I linked with her, you know, I saw everything and she saw me kind of, and he's like warning her like, Hey kid, like settle down a little bit. Um, and she doesn't. And, uh, she ends up convincing him to go out and, and find that little boy's body. Um, but, you know, now we're all kind of intertwined because Rose now knows that she is out there. She knows mm -hmm. that she came from the East Coast. She knows that she is like a whale of steam. You know, she is, this is what the group has set their sights on now. And, you know, we see after a scene like this, the stakes are high now. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things where I love the fact that you have it. So it's almost like, Rose initially, right, is just sensing this power. Like, there's this power, and we need to suck it out. And it's like, Abra's like, I'm taking you down. You know yeah. what I mean? From like, jump. She's like, I've got to do. And I think that also plays into why that scene with the with the young boy was so important because for uh, we had to feel it so we could understand mm -hmm. her conviction right yeah. we could understand yeah. why she was willing to put herself in danger to then be so obsessed with taking down this group of uh you know of psychic vampires or whatnot right so yeah. i th i thought that was 
I think it showed the strength of her character too, which was kind of the reverse where it's like, yes, Danny has his story going on. And it could have been a thing where they kind of play it where Danny just is basically trying to save this young girl, save the young girl because the true the vampires just want the young girl. So it's really about his story. But then you see that it's really Abra is is also just such a key player. She has yeah. her own agency and all of this. She gets things moving and not just because she's in danger, because there are times when it's like, well, maybe Rose is the one that needs to be worried, right? So it's, right. it's more so it's like, it's because there's a battle of dark and light forces yeah. going on. And it's kind of epic, but it's, once again, it's subtle, but it's epic. Because yeah. it's like, Abra's like, I'm taking you down. You're trying to kill, like, what these people that are her people, right? My The Shining, those people. Yeah. And then, at, and then of course, Rose the Hat is like, well, I'm trying to keep my people alive. So you have these two that kind of are going at it who can't exist. You know, one right. needs the other and the other one needs to get vanquished the other in order to survive. So, yeah, yeah and, it definitely stakes uh, sets it up. And Eber's not, like you said, Eber's not willing to just let it go and like listen to Uncle Danny and just kind of like sit back and stay pretty. You know, she goes after Rose, in the, Rose the Hat in the grocery store is like one of my favorite scenes of this. It's just so cool of that first moment where they finally are just like kind of face to face and then she just sends her back like two three times and it's just ever's freaking cool ever's like <laughs> she's the cool chick in this movie <laughs> she really is she's like badass i'm just yeah. like what like i wasn't expecting it it really threw me i was like wow they are making her like formidable against this yeah. this villain that we know is so monstrous and yeah. they're letting her not be like that annoying you know young kid trope where it's like i can do so much but i really can't and then right. i just get in trouble but it's like she actually can she's yes. not just you know she doesn't feel bluffing. just precocious yeah, yeah. she's doing because she knows that she can actually win against her if she yeah. tried i also like how much Rose, like, gets her ass checked a lot. <laughs> she does. She does. <laughs> Is Poor it, Rose. that's, it's not that scene, right? It's, no, it's the other scene where she, like, yeah. fucking smushes her hand. Mm -hmm. and, like, oh, it's, like, right scene. after this. It's right like after this. this. <laughs> yeah, it's right after this because they're both trying to, like, they are now, like, in a battle to get through each other's minds first, you know? And so Abra, like, sets up this whole plan for Rose to... Because uh, Rose is going to come find her. Rose set, sits up on the little RV, you know, gets her little meditation going. I love the visuals of the, yeah. of them like traveling around and Rose lifting up and just flying through the very Kiki's delivery service, like just flying through the air and yes. landing, like going into her bedroom. And, you know, it's a whole setup. And she's, I, I mean, <laughs> she's got Abra's little, uh, attack uniform she's got the wig on and the, right no, the no eyes like, i don't know where that came from but you know <laughs> I'm like, all right she's ready get the drama get the drama <laughs> <laughs> um and crushes like fucking rose's hand like pretty uh, brutally um and just goes yeah. through her mind and gets through enough of it before rose has to like book it out of there and just throw herself back into her and i body. love the way that looks that looks when she's like spinning around flying yeah. through the sky back to her body it's like real cool and when she hits herself and like flies off the RV. It's just whoosh. Um, she didn't even get a moment to breathe before like Doc, uh, Grandpa Flick is like, he's what is the, the what do they call it? Cycling out. He's like cycling out. And uh, it's another one of those moments where, you know, he's scared of dying because he does, you know, he's lived for all this time seeing empires rise and fall like Rose says, but he is totally, you know, brought to his knees in fear of death. 
um, just like everybody seems to be. I so the. And I mean, this was a critique of the book I had as well. We spend a little too much time mourning these villains when I'm like, okay, but I don't care. Like I get that they <laughs> care, but I don't care. These are people that eat children. Like I'm just, I just don't care. Um, and I don't know what, like for me, I, I, I would, I feel that like for what is how I feel about these scenes because I'm, I get, we already have the notion of like, oh, they're like a tight knit group of family who like, you know, eat children um, and sure. And I get that. But I don't know why we spend so much time watching them mourn. Um, yeah. Because if we're trying to humanize them, that's not going to work. And I, I already know that they're close. So I felt like that stuff just like didn't quite do it for me. Um, I, I'm sure you both have a rebuttal, so I'd be curious to hear. <laughs> no, I agree with that. I agree with that. I think that um, it starts to, towards like the end, the like third act of the movie, it seems like there's... They're, doing too much with like uh developing character when we have already done that now like just like you said like we we already know that they're a tight group of people like they look out for their own and stuff like that um i mean i liked grandpa flick's death because it introduces like how they kind of go out how they, yeah. but um like all of these emotional good. yeah these emotional beats and stuff like that they've already been done and just like um in the movie when i mean we'll get there when when the dad and uh and billy die like it just felt like building stakes that were already there. That that's yeah. that big ass stake was there when Jackie Primley died, you know? And and they didn't die in the book, did they? Um uh Billy and, and the dad. So it didn't make sense, but like we st we're still from here on out getting these moments of like setup still. I kind of, I saw the point of it of the show mm. the stakes of what they were battling against because there was less steam in the world as, you know, Rose was saying. Uh, I do, I do agree that, of course, I wasn't sad when the guy died, but it was also that weird kind of thing, because I do also like that actor who played yeah. the guy who's like, oh. <laughs> and he can be, he can play kind of a very sweet role at times and other things he's done. And so there were times where it was kind of like, even before that moment, he seemed like this sweet older dude. And then, of course, he eats the kid and stuff. <laughs> and you're like, no, he's not a sweet older dude. But even in that moment when he's cycling out, you kind of sympathize in a way with once again that fear of death and i i from my understanding like in the in the book the thing is it's not so much that there's a lack of steam is that they ate a bad kid <laughs> um <laughs> and that measles broke out um that's against, right yeah it was yeah. like measles that were getting so they were infected right so they figured they should kill abra in order that her, her steam is being so strong that it would cure this uh you know, this these, this measles outbreak that they have. And so it's interesting that they did go this route where it was like lack of steam in the world. And I thought maybe because what's explained is that the lack of steam more so deals with there's less people showing their shine type yeah. thing. And I thought maybe that was some kind of common. And once again, me, oh, it's so deep. But like, you know, I thought maybe this is a commentary on how, you know, the world is so cruel that people's shine isn't coming through. Yes, Flanagan, I get it. Thank you so much for that, like, you know, moment. And Flanagan just says, maybe, maybe. <laughs> Go with your own interpretation. Yes. Um, and he's like, that's, yeah, exactly. That's what I meant. Um, that's yeah, why. That sounds great. Sure. <laughs> sure, it was that. Um, so I, I honestly, I, I probably would have felt like it was more intense had it been the measles. So it's kind of interesting. That's probably like what I have a few issues with what they switched 
you know, although I love this movie, there's a few things I do have an issue with what they switched. And that's probably one of them too, that they didn't go with the measles thing. Cause I felt I totally like that would have been, that would have been more uh, yeah. pressing to me. It yeah. would have, it would have like stuck a, like a, like a clock on the screen. Right. It's almost yeah, like, cause exactly. they would have had to race against time because right now we know that like, um, one, I don't know, thermos of, of, of steam will last them like six months. They have like a few in there. So that that time crunch isn't really there because they have enough time to find somebody else. But like, yeah, if they had like, I don't know, the measles in there. Uh, what was your what was your biggest uh, disappointment with book to book to movie? Something that changed that you, well, you think? I mean, one, I would have, uh, in knowing that um, what they explained in the book that uh, Abra's uh, family had a bit more of a role, like the grandmother yeah. that's only mentioned in passing, I thought that would have been cool to just kind of explore. But then it's like, well, Abra's already badass. So maybe I don't need to know all of her family. But then her dad dies in this and he doesn't die in the book. Yeah. And I was like, oh, now when I found that, I was like, oh. <laughs> I was like, why did, well, why did they kill the father? Like, you didn't need to do that. I guess once again, to show just how mean they are. But I'm like, okay, at this point, you don't have to keep doing that. Like, we know, we saw them eat a right, kid. Like we get it. I don't need to have them yeah. stab her father to death to realize that. So um, that was one of them. And of course, um, da you know, Danny doesn't die in in there. So, oh, yeah. and they they chose to kill him in this in, in, in the Flanagan one. I... I I'm I'm on the fence about the fact that they killed Danny, though, uh -huh. because I understood why it happened. You know, that's, it's funny because watching it this time, I was like, wait a minute, I thought he didn't die in the book. Yeah, I no, he doesn't wrong. die. He gets to go back and he ends up becoming, you know, he does. He goes back to his job and he keeps doing what he does. And I'm like, oh, which one did I like? Because I kind of like the fact that she that they, he made it so that he reunites with his mom. Because right. once again, that's Flanagan, right? It's like reunited <laughs> with your dead partners and family members. That's what he does best. It would have been nice had he had a happier ending in life because he just had such a rough upbringing. But yeah. Ian, what was your biggest? Uh, what was your biggest disappointment in that? Mm. Aside from the whole movie. The whole movie, <laughs> just the movie. <laughs> the I, 2019 I think it would release be. of Doctor Sleep. <laughs> <laughs> it would be what Chauncey said about how. Cause like I did picture them being, um, so to reference, um, a reference that Zach will at least get, um, in Adam Sass's book, he mentions in Surrender Your Sons, um, my friend Adam Sass wrote a YA book called Surrender Your Sons. And like the people that live, it's like about conversion therapy camp. These kids are, these like queer kids are sent to an island and everyone on the island, especially the, like one of the head teachers, her name is Miss Manners. And he says how like, she's dressed very like prim and proper, but you can see that it's like. Her outfit hasn't been washed. Her hair hasn't been washed. There's like, you can see the cracks in her outfit. Like she's wearing a white dress with like, I think cherries on it or lemons on it. And at the bottom though, it's like a little bit brown because it hasn't been washed. And so for me, I just, I wish Rose didn't look so put together mm -hmm. and so glamorous. Like I would have liked to see just like a little bit of like, oh, that's because she's been like eating children for a hundred years and been alive for so long that like you can see a little bit of the cracks. Um, that was my biggest... Rose was my biggest disappointment, even though I will, I, that actress is great. Like she is great. She does a good job. I just would have liked the character to be a little bit more. She's a little too like perfectly put together. Hmm. I mean, until her like arms broken, but like, you know what I mean? Like other than that, she's like very well put together. Yeah. Um, because I do understand them. Sure. They want to cut out the jaw mouth stuff because like you said, they already did that in it. We're already seeing that a lot. 
I'm cool with them cutting that out, but I just would have liked a little like, like if you look at this person, it's like, oh, they look well-dressed, but then you get up close and you're like, mm, there's something off. Like mm. I wish we had that with Rose. Um, but I will say, conversely, one of my like big things I was happy they did was that because it was a sequel to like both the movie and book, that the hotel was there, that they didn't yes. blow it up because I- Great. That scene in the book, I was like, they're running around a field. What is like? I it's like play. a weird pavilion, like campsite <laughs> right? that they built on the Overlook Hotel. It, first off, it already takes way too damn long to get out there anyway. Nobody is driving out there to go sleep on a pavilion. It's it's just not happening. Right. <laughs> I, I feel like sometimes I like a lot of the adaptations a bit better because they streamline what I think is what is such a great story that I get to cut out a lot of those details that I'd rather not read about like the stand where i love that story but i can't i got the book i got the unabridged and i'm just like it's like dos capital like you know like trying to read i try to go open my cap you know capital same thing like marks you are over <laughs> inflated and so going. are you stephen king <laughs> like, yeah stephen king i mean he's one of those people that i like same category as like Lady Gaga and David Lynch, where it's like, I like what you're doing here, but I just need you to have someone who like is gonna edit you edit. more. Good editor, yeah. A strong editor who's like, no, don't do that. We're not. Yeah, doing take that. that out. Take this whole chapter away. Yeah, we don't need that. I think Stephen King's kind of a cheesy writer too. Like, I find a lot of his endings very cheeseball. Um, and I think this is one of them. So speeding along again, like Crow Daddy kills Abra's dad, takes Abra. Danny gets Abra back. Um, this is a scene that could have just been like nixed, you know, just get over it. And Danny takes Abra to the Overlook Hotel. It wakes up because Danny's there. Hello, Danny. Um, and Rose is pissed, so she goes after them. So we have this whole ending that is very different than, you know, the movie uh, or the, than the book. Um, and this feels like more of the ending to The Shining. The book, um, and I guess maybe mm -hmm. that's what they were doing because uh, Jack Torrance dies in this way, right? It's it's Jack Torrance's death that they're doing here. Um, but I don't know. I like this one better than like – I don't know. I, I always like, <laughs> like when they change Stephen King's endings because I don't like them very much. I just think <laughs> he's very cheesy. Um, he's not the best i think that was the ongoing joke and he even started to accept it where it's like people were like yeah hated the ending though like that's his thing like he knew he didn't know yeah. how to end a book back then and it's true he didn't he really yeah. i mean a lot of those i actually do agree with that a lot of those endings are just kind of like what like all this great stuff and that's how you ended it and yeah. um even with even with this one that's why i was saying that i feel like flanagan's doctor sleep it's such a happy medium because it restored certain things that we did get de uh, deprived of in the in Kubrick's, which was the boiler scene. The boiler scene yeah. being so important of you got to check the boiler. If you don't check the boiler, this can happen. And we get that moment where, you know, um, you know, where, you know, Jack dies that way. But right before that moment, he tells his son, don't forget that I love you. You know, we didn't yeah. get that moment in Kubrick's, you know, that that heart moment was missing and i feel with flanagan with kind of danny making a full circle moment um facing the demons of the hotel you know seeing his dad's ghost again but now part of the hotel and stuff it um i think it needed to happen like it yeah. was good I, I was glad that they didn't try to do a thing where it was like somewhere after the first movie the the hotel burned down and they just go back to what the book you know did yeah. i'm glad that they kept that and then merged the two because 
yeah, it definitely wouldn't have been as effective had they been running around an RV park, you yeah. know? So, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I really like that they kept that. I really like that everything just came. It was such a full circle moment. Yeah. It was just like, wow, this is, this is how this story ends. So then know? a question, because we've got two different, uh, for both of y'all, because we've got two different opinions here and you love the shining Chauncey, not a fan of the shining. Um, so, Jack I Torrance. actually like the ABC version. <laughs> Can I just say, because yeah. he didn't say he didn't like the ABC version. I And I remember, because I was over in Jersey <laughs> at the time, ABC 7, I watched that whole Shining miniseries, I and I liked like it. it. No. I liked it. Because it was closer to the book, and I was like, "Yes, I see what you were doing, King." No, you know those kids, <laughs> yes, those, King. those kids that it. just, uh, those kids <laughs> that just have a punchable face. It's just that little kid in that miniseries. Just that. <laughs> but um, no, but this kind of is Jack Torrance of The Shining at the end of this movie, rather than mm -hmm. like Jack Torrance coming out and helping Danny to like take down this the uh, rose the hat. Like, what did you think about that then? What did you think about them using the Jack Torrance from Kubrick? shining instead of uh stephen king's well i understood it you know once yeah. he, it was kind of like most i mean it's it's kind of that weird thing where it's like okay i didn't like kubrick shining but i do know that's most people's understanding of that story and jack nicholson total miscast of oh jack no Thomas. no oh, yeah he was a miscast <laughs> <laughs> no one's gonna believe this guy's gonna descend into madness you already think he's crazy yeah. it doesn't make any sense he came he's... in at the end of his arc in that movie where he was supposed to get there he was already arrived so um <laughs> it was one of the things but that's who we know right here's yeah. you know that's who we know so i understood that they needed to have that that one in in this one too i don't think it would have resonated with as many people had they not unfortunately i mean <laughs> I, I i i mean i for the most part agree in your answer on the question <laughs> of like that's what people know it just even if they even if they didn't have it at the hotel but they wanted to show jack i feel like they would have gone for that because that's yeah. just like we're on the screen that's the version they know I will say, I think the Jack was a little weaker than the Wendy. I think Wendy was, a, that actor was a little better. This actor who did um, Jack felt like it was Jack Nicholson drag yeah. more so than Wendy feeling like doing her own version. Mm -hmm. um, and I, at first, I remember when I saw it in the theater, I turned to the guy I was with and I was like, wait, I thought it was like, you know how they do that digital de-aging thing like yeah. they love to do? I like couldn't tell at first. I was like, wait, because like, you know, Mike Flanagan has everything everything the way it's colored is different on his stuff i couldn't tell i was like wait is this the cgi jack nicholson i can't quite tell like at first i was like mm, is it but then it wasn't um, i was convinced they were gonna do that though because we heard yes. of the windy actress and the danny actor but then like there was nothing about jack torrance so i was like this is gonna be some jack nicholson bullshit love jack nicholson in it but i don't like a cgi overlay i'm just not a fan mm. of those I don't mind it if it's like for a blip second. Like I, it was fine if it was like, yeah. oh, he just sees his dad in the hallway and that's a Jack Nicholson CGI. Okay. Sure, that's fine. But not like an actor, like in Star Wars. Uh... Or the Irishman. <laughs> yeah, I actually like, like the Irishman, but I- It's that, very I long. It's a that. very long movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, cannot... I watched it 
I watched it on Netflix and then I went to the theater to see it. That's how much That's I right. like that movie. But, I, yeah. I can't commit to something that aggressively heterosexual that is also that long. And so I never know. <laughs> That's too much. Is, uh, I'm too sorry. I've got this. my quota. <laughs> <laughs> One thing this movie is really good at, um, I think, is fan service. You know, we know from the trailer that but we're going back to way. the uh, not in a shitty way. It's earned. Yeah. It's it's earned. It's laid in there. It progresses a story rather than, you know, something stupid, um, something that's just not going yeah. anywhere. It's we know we are leading up to this battleground at the Overlook Hotel. We get there. I am I am like weirdly um, particular about like number of doors on a hallway or like, you know, how the patterns look and stuff like that. Like I always look like when Full House came back to Fuller House, I was looking at that set and I was like counting each spindle and like <laughs> just stupid stuff that doesn't need to be there. This did such a great job recreating all of these sets, all of these like little moments and all these callbacks. And when he goes into the room and sees that, that, um, that door that, you know, Jack Nicholson was hacking down, it's just like, oh, it gives you chills all over. Mm -hmm. And all the fan service just works. And then it turns, you know, you get your walkthrough fan service. It's like, here's your five minutes. Yeah, yeah, shining fans. Walk through the overlook. Go see what it's about. And then Rose shows up and they have this big battle royale, you know. Um, what do we think about their fight? It worked. I mean, I, I thought it was. But once it was funny because even with that, I, I will say I liked a little bit more of the confrontation that we talked about earlier when she had went into try to go on her mind and the, the whole thing with the different yeah. uh in her hand i i thought that was a little bit more like uh her getting her just dues for that but i did like what eventually happens with her and the ghost um kind of going at her i thought yeah. it was fine but i think by then at that moment i felt like it wasn't really about roles anymore in a way because yeah. now it kind of emerged to be more of Danny's story again where it yep. was like I am back in my trauma I am back having to deal with this place that was so uh you know damaging for yeah. me and so although I liked Rose's end and I liked you know they even brought in the whole thing with the maze and all that stuff which I I thought was cheesy in the original one I was yeah. I wasn't impressed by the maze <laughs> and so but they brought it back and I was like okay they worked it in here will it where it works uh and when she died I was fine but to me what became scarier was when Danny was battling with the house as it tried to take him over to yeah. me that was when that was that was more of the intense final battle kind of the final yeah. boss like in video games, like the final boss was yeah. actually the hotel itself. Rose was the the boss right before that. Yeah. Rose was Goro. The hotel was Shang Tsung. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still thinking Mortal Kombat because I watched yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen it yet. Um, no, I, I, I completely agree with that. I think um, there's th some things that don't translate all that well. And I think the boxes don't translate all that well. I don't like mm. the boxes in this. Um just like in the miniseries adaptation, the freaking hedge maze monsters were <laughs> awful. They were so bad, and I'm so glad Kubrick just left them out because they don't work, and I don't think the boxes work here. I felt like we had a lot of, like, build up to Rose being this big bad, but then it was kind of a just quick battle, but then yeah. I get it because it is Danny's ultimate facing of his trauma. Okay, but so my argument there would be, but the movie spent so much fucking time on Rose. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that there's there, the payoff was not exactly like 
there for me either in that big fight. I would agree with you there. Yeah, she didn't com combust or anything. Or I don't know. I wanted <laughs> like, some. Something a little bit Listen, I don't know. Chauncey, Zach just said he agreed with me. That doesn't happen very often. <laughs> that happens every episode. I know. Okay, that's there, there's, there's a moment in every episode that we do where I stop, I get the mic closed, and I go, Ian, you were right. Every episode we do. So. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, yeah, no, I totally, I, I do actually, I, I agree that it wasn't the most climatic part because I feel like they were saving that for the house, mm -hmm. though. Yeah. yeah. But I get you that it was like, why spend so much time if she wasn't even the main course, if she wasn't the big battle there? Yeah. yeah. And then, um, yeah, the hotel overtakes Danny and he turns into his father. You know, he's running around with the axe chasing Abra. Uh, what One thing I hate in a movie is the, the power of love overcomes all. You know, just look at me. You know who I am. You know I'm, I'm Abra. I do think it works really well here because... <laughs> It is him trying to overcome something that had burdened him for so long. Because we already have the first movie that kind of sets that up for us. Um, whereas in a lot of movies, it's just, you know, it's me. Just fight it. It's me. Like, that's not how things work. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm possessed by a hotel right now. This is not that easy. Yeah. This isn't me. Like, this is a hotel in my brain. So, like, mm. yeah. but I did, I did. Uh, it didn't bother me here. Again, I agree with you too, Zach. I, it didn't bother me as much. It does bother me in most other, like, you know, in a fucking movie, if it's like, this person is possessed by a ghost, how do you think them loving you is going to make that ghost not murder you? And when it works, then it makes me even more mad. So I'm like, why the fuck yeah. did that work? <laughs> yeah. And then... Uh y'all are a straight up nihilist i mean it's, uh, like, it's like i don't know i like that sometimes no, i don't know i like it it's because okay. to me i think it's like you have something worth fighting for because it's okay. the whole idea when you're taken over that they get you in a weakened state they get you when you know you are uh, just like ready to give up on everything. So if you appeal to the person, things like you have something to live for, you have something to come back to, that yeah. makes their spirit want to fight more. But once again, maybe that's just me interpreting I just, what I, you know, the power <laughs> of love. Because <laughs> I'm I hopeful it, when I watch my horror movies. And when you explain <laughs> it like that, yes, great. But I think a lot of movies, it, it goes into cheeseball territory and it's oh, just yeah. like cringy. Like we just and covered- we just covered um, The Conjuring, and that happens at the end of The Conjuring. She's like, puts her hand on her forehead, and she's like, this is your child. You're a mother. Think. And she's like, ah. And it just turns into some big, like, just, it made a lot of sense here. So I, I, I'm all for it here. It's just. <laughs> and then uh, Abra leaves. Then he goes down into the boiler room, and the whole hotel explodes. But right before that, we see Wendy come back and i just love it i loved wendy torrance in this again i want a whole wendy torrance movie um i just like that little peaceful moment uh, i didn't like that he died in this though i think he could have lived yeah um, the hotel would have blown up anyway. I, I, yeah and i agree with i think that was once again bringing it back to what was supposed to right. happen mm -hmm. in in the shining and Flan flanagan kind of in a way that was fan service too, right? But for yeah. the book readers, yeah. it was yeah. like, y'all didn't get this in The Shining. Kubrick did you dirty when he didn't give you this. Let me give you this here. 
uh, for those who thought that. And, you know, Stephen King loved Dr. Sleep, right? He didn't care for Kubrick's version. So there was also that kind of maybe making the creator kind of happy with it too, eventually with his work that started it all. And I did like that Wendy was there. I liked that they had that moment where it's like he didn't, when she, like, cause it goes back to when he was saying when she was dying of cancer, where it was like, he said he couldn't even look at her when she died, right? Because of the flies and here, you know, that must've been so traumatizing for him as a young boy or a younger boy, a younger man. you know, the last, you know, vision of your mother, you know, who you care for is this. And so he finally gets to see her again in this, in in a beautiful, subtle way of how he remembers her. And in a way it was this really bittersweet ending for his journey. So I understood that. And only Flanagan can get me to like, that's what I'm about to say. That was a Flanagan scene. He he slows it down. Slow-mo, you know, the fire's going slow. Wendy just comes out of nowhere. Just put the hand yeah, on and the it just and... works. And she's like, it's okay now. And I was just like, yes, it's okay. Any other time I've watched stuff and something like that happens, I'm like, there's no reason why this character needed to die. That was, I'll, I usually call it like emotional manipulation that, you know, movies try to do to make you feel like it's more poignant than it is. It's like, well, yeah. we're not landing, so let's kill this guy, you know, yeah. or something like that. And I just felt like this actually, I could accept what happened yeah. to yeah. him. And the other thing I will say that I feel like this movie does uh, that once again, we did not get, I felt like with Kubrick's was the overt supernatural aspect of Danny becoming possessed by the house, uh, by the by the hotel. With Kubrick, it was very much, it was kind of open to, well, did he go crazy? Or did, that, did the place possess him? Because they didn't do the physical thing. They did the physical thing in Dr. Sleep, where yeah. you could tell when he was being possessed. His, like things would happen to his face. It would be a change. And that was what was supposed to happen in The Shining. Kubrick gets rid of that. So you don't, so it leaves it open interpretation on whether or not he was possessed. And I, I like the fact that it was like, yes, we know he's getting possessed. We know this hotel is straight up haunted. And I, I like that way better than the leave it open to interpretation of maybe he's just insane. Maybe the monster's inside of him. And I'm like, that's a cop out. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I enjoy it. Uh, I liked the shiny. Um, we'll have to cover that one. <laughs> what'd you think of the ending overall? Um, I like I I didn't mind the ending. Um okay. Yeah, I mean I definitely while I didn't love everything about the hotels, sometimes yeah. it felt because it wasn't shitty fan service, but sometimes the seeing all the ghosts again and when they all pile up to like attack, it was like yeah. I didn't like that. I didn't yeah. like our favorite ghost characters coming back um, in that way. I think maybe if we would have seen them when he's placed around, around the yeah. hotel, it'd have been better. But like, I don't know. Um, but I was going to say, just, but even though okay, I sorry, even though I didn't love everything about the hotel stuff, I was glad we visited the hotel. I was glad we got that instead of the fucking campground. And I did tear up at the Wendy scene. Yeah. Like I was and like a grump I, watching the theater. Like, I don't think I like this. Oh, wait, I'm crying. Like, <laughs> And then he leaves and he's still wiping a tear. That was an awful movie. Awful. <laughs> but it's, it I mean, be it raining mu- out here. <laughs> Much better uh, no, than. Actually, if you all must know, I saw that on a date and 
it was like a third or fourth date. I went to kiss the guy and he gave me his cheek. That was how I ended that movie. Oh, no. Yeah, no. It's because no, you're sitting you there like this. It's because they didn't like it. <laughs> you associated with a shitty date. No, he hated it, too. <laughs> he hated it, too. Okay. Well, then both of y'all just hated well, it. I didn't hate it, but he hated it. It is a better ending than, because um, in the book, and I went back to just make sure, I read I reread part of the end of the book, but like, Danny just sees his dad and they're like they give each other a see you later type of thing yeah. and it's so dumb but you know we got <laughs> we got our fan service we got a bunch of sidekicks in a battle for each other's minds we've got three different time periods and we've got uh this is the prequel for the abra detective show that we will eventually get one day i guarantee <laughs> stephen king's gonna write something with that before she I'd opens for it before yeah. she opens Xavier's Institute for Gifted Youngsters. <laughs> no! <laughs> no! This is Abra's story. Now for a quick break. Folks, do you love movies? The good ones? Even the bad ones everyone told you not to like? It sounds like Super Yaki is the place for you. The team at Super Yaki loves movies. So much so, they've dedicated every waking moment of their life to bringing you top-quality merchandise to showcase your love for them, from super soft t-shirts celebrating the 20th anniversary of the cinematic masterpiece Josie and the Pussycats, to comfy sweatshirts made for the brave members of the Movies by Yourself Club. They even have pins of some of your favorite directors, like Sofia Coppola and Jordan Peele. Super Yaki joyously brings you tangible love letters to movies and filmmakers that you can wear with pride. Plus, the team at Super Yaki screen prints all their apparel using eco-friendly, 100% water-based inks, and ships with compostable poly mailers for an environmentally friendly alternative to online shopping. And as a special gift to you, listeners can save 10% on their order with the code SUPERSLAYERFEST, all caps, no spaces, at checkout. If the spirit moves you, find them at superyaki.com. Let's watch more movies, y'all. But that was Dr. Sleep. I don't know. I think... Uh, I still love we it. All like, yeah, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, what was your favorite scene, Chauncey? My favorite scene? Probably the scene where Rose uh, gets her butt handed to her with the okay. with the cabinet file. It was just like... I, I, every time I think about that moment with her and she has to pull it out in the skin, I'm just like, oh, <laughs> man. Like, that is just... That's it right there. And so, yeah, that's my favorite scene. That whole sequence. Yeah. What about you, Ian? Same, honestly, same. I mean, we both brought it up at the same time. Like, I, I, that's the scene I think of when I think of this movie because I think that's so well done, and I think yeah. it, it does a good job of playing with like what you're seeing in the mind with like the cabinets, and then it, like you said, it's fucking gross with her hand stuck in there, and I love the visual of her like, she's like falling back in her body but flying into the air, right? It's mm-hmm. like, yeah. And I love the way that looks and like her hitting herself and falling off. I think yeah. that's really well done. I think that's like the best scene of the movie. Cause it almost takes like a moment for you to do something like that to like lift herself up and fly gently, but she has to get out of there so fast that she just spirals out of there. And it's, and I would say, I think we're all going to agree. We're going to end this on an agreement. Um, we all agree. That's our favorite scene followed closely for me by all of the 1980 Florida Danny and Wendy stuff. Because I, I just, I love it. Oh, it hits me. Mm-hmm. It gets my heart. But good thing we agreed on this ending. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this was our coverage of Dr. Sleep. Chauncey, where can everybody find you? 
Um, well, you can find me on Twitter at Miss Chauncey, uh, Miss Chauncey KR. <laughs> I forgot my name. Uh, Miss Chauncey KR on Twitter. Um, you can also find me on YouTube under Chauncey, Chauncey K Robinson as well, Twisted CKR, where I uh, upload pretty much um, a few days a week uh, various uh, film and TV reviews. What about you, Ian? What about Slayer Fest and Bloody Judy? Go for it. Um, if you are looking for My Bloody Judy in podcast form, you can find us at SlayerFest98, which you can find on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other corners of the internet where you get your podcasts. You can find us on social media at SlayerFestX98. And Zachary, where can they find the videos of My Bloody Judy? Because we're all over the place. Um, YouTube.com slash AZB bonus features. Um, the video format will be on ACB bonus features and all podcast audio episodes will be over on SlayerFest 98's platform. So go check them out. Go check out Chauncey's channel. Go check her out on Twitter, everywhere. All right. We thank you so much, Chauncey, for coming on and covering Dr. Sleep with us. This was her pick, yeah. by the way. So great thank pick. Thank you for having me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you guys so much for watching and have a great rest of your week. Bye.